Hey guys, welcome back to Sports and Ish with Misty V and Rachel Lee. We have a lot going on in the sports world right now that we want to talk about. So please like, subscribe, comment, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. Um, we are going to be talking about the Tom Brady and Giselle news that um, we'll take a deeper dive into. Um, the NBA season starting up, which we're super pumped. Missed you, a big Celtics fan, so I know you're really excited. And, you know, the dream on green punching out his teammate. Like, what is going on, Misty? What the wow. heck? So much to talk about. <laughs> have, first of all, <laughs> have you seen that video, Rachel? Did you see? Like, all right. So to be fair, I've had this conversation with many of the professional athletes in my office. And I'm like, listen, I realized that somebody on the staff, like, leaked this video, this dream on green video to TMZ or whoever reported it first. But... Legitimately, well, they got Does some money for it too. <laughs> they got some serious. They got paid, but but my question was: Does this legitimately happen? And like nobody reports it. Is this the norm? They were like, well, it was a little more violent than maybe what happens. Like even in college practices, like there could be some shove offs or whatever. But the Draymond Green punching incident against Jordan Poole was kind of a violent situation. I don't know who released it. Uh, and of course, I think Steve Kerr was quoted today as saying, like, listen, this is like one of the worst things that's happened for us as a team. And we were trying to figure out how to deal with it. But it's like, how do you deal with this? And then on one hand, you know me, I'm a Celtics fan. And I watched Draymond Green play against my favorite guys uh, in the finals. And I hated seeing him push, push them off the sidelines when there was like a free throw or whatever. I'm like, I hate that guy. But then one of my one of my athletes reminded me, like, listen, if he if he was playing for the Celtics, would you hate him? If he played for the Celtics, that's a great had, question. How would you feel about that? I mean, if he had the defensive stuff that he has for the Warriors, and he was using that for the Celtics, would you still hate him? I really had to think about that. Can you really hate Draymond Green? Let's talk about that. Can you hate the guy, Rachel? What do you think? I mean, I don't know how you do that to a teammate. You know, you and I talk about how the chemistry is when, with whatever sport that you're playing. Yeah. And I just think you can't, you got to respect your teammates, no matter what trash talk is going on, no matter what happens behind the scene, like you have to be respectful. And I think yeah. that kind of crosses the line for me where you know, if you are on my favorite sports team, like that's a no, no, you can't do that. That's just my opinion. I'm all about self-respect and I totally get, you know, players not being friends with each other or whatever, but your teammates, like you, you gotta put that stuff aside during practice, during games, whatever, and just like do your thing and focus on you. And I think, that's the tough part. Like, how do you get to that point? What makes you want to do that to, to a teammate where just stay in your lane, you know, they're, they're doing whatever, like just focus on your game, do what you got to do. And that's it in my mind, but I know it's easier said than done. (laughs) I think it's easy for someone like us to sit on the sidelines and say, well, we're not a part of that team. We've not played in those professional sports lines, but But then again, I have worked in professional sports for seven plus years. And and here's where I see that, that, that line falling. Is this, is this considered like a cancerous situation? Is this, 
Um, is this something where like this leads to a cancer? Because ultimately, even if you are frustrated and uh, not happy with your teammates, creating a, a, the next step, if you will, in terms of hatred or anger toward that person and, and with each other, now you're creating a circle of things that may not be able to, uh, I guess, create a successful season. And we know the Warriors have had many successful seasons. Um, so I think that just seeing that, that little bit of that cancer kind of started or created yeah. even between two teammates can be like the end all be all. So I guess, I guess the only thing that remains to be seen is how will this affect their season going forward? The, sure. the season regular season starts this week. Um, so I guess we have to see how it plays out. Like uh, I think they basically said uh, his, in, his actual punishment was just being fine. He's not been uh, That's so out of crazy any... to me. <laughs> right. He's not been left out of any games. He's not been left out of any practices. Like he still gets to show up to the facility, lift with the guys, be part of the team. He's just been fine at this point. He is still there. So I guess we'll see how it plays out. And and maybe he and Jordan will like find a way to resolve the situation. Do you really think team. so? Do you really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just like you I... and I. Yeah, we talk about, I mean, we've seen teams, and when you have that toxic environment, it affects your whole season, and that can make it from going to the playoffs to not just having that awful chemistry that, like, you need that. We saw that um, with great teams, that chemistry that you have. As soon as you have that toxic environment, boom, it's done. It's a cancer, you know, and and working with um, even the Bengals players, as long as I have, you could see you could see the environment change out year after year. You could see some of the veterans go, you could see the rookies come in and you could see a little bit more of a fresher attitude, uh, Mm -hmm. better adjustments toward the newer coach, but you could see some of that, that older behavior kind of leaving. And I've seen it time and time again with teams. It's, it's the environment, it's the atmosphere and it's, it's what's created. And I have to say for the first time, even last year with a lot of the guys, you could see the refreshing attitude toward oh each other. No, nobody was coming in and saying, Oh, I'm so angry at so-and-so nobody was coming in angry at anybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I truly feel that the way that you feel about your teammates predicts the way that your season's going to go truly does. Yeah, I agree. Chemistry is huge, 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 huge sounds. So on that topic, I mean, again, you cheer for the Bengals. Like, what is the chemistry like with you guys? Is it pretty tight? Do you guys just really stay in tune? Are you with each other a lot? Like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, it's so crazy. Well, and I will say it was kind of hard last season because of COVID. So, like, I've been on the team for five seasons, and the best times are with each other so much when it comes to practicing. Yeah. But when we also spend time doing fun things outside of practice, that helps. could be going to dinner or like it's fall time doing some fall activities or going even to a Bengals away game since we don't travel with the teams typically. Right. Um, it just creates that environment where you become friends and then you're dancing next to each other and you're hyping each other up and you're helping each other out. And it's the same thing with any sport. It's the same way. Um, you're with each other so much that you not, you're not best friends with every single person, but you respect each other and you grow to have that deeper friendship, which is really awesome and creates that positive fun environment that you want to work hard in that you want to be there you know for practices and games and it's totally a different energy when you want to be there than when you have to be there 
So, so what you said, though, was a key point, the respect. It's the respect mm-hmm. that you have for each other. And when you see the video of Draymond clearly violently punching his teammate, I felt like that was a clear uh, objective of zero respect. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think maybe, again, I'm not a coach, but if I was Steve Kerr, I would, I would think maybe we need to address the, uh, the respect issue on the team. Yeah, um, I agree. Again, if you're angry and that helps you be the best defensive player, well, then that's great. But, again, you still have to build this atmosphere that leads to another season of success. Like, will we see the Warriors have a season of success? That's the mm-hmm. question. That's the well, question. and then you wonder, too, like, should there, like you said, should there be something that's done that shows this is not acceptable? Right. Like, this is not what should happen on this team. Right. You need to respect your teammates no matter right. what. Right. You, you need, need to, to take that it. home, do whatever you need to do, take it right. home, do right. anything to calm right. you down. I don't, I don't know, you know, their relationship or maybe there's extra stuff behind the scenes that right. happens, but. Or, or make an example out of him, like show, show the team, show the NBA. Like, I don't care if you're like how Dennis Rodman was back in the day. You cannot be that guy. <laughs> right. You cannot be the guy on the team that just freely punches somebody aggravated in a, in a practice. And again, we don't know how often this happens. We don't know because again, from, from professional athletes that I work with, I've heard that this can easily happen. It's just that someone happened to leak a video out to TMZ. So that actually brings me to my next point. So now that the Celtics are starting the season without Ime Udoka, which again, huge Celtics fan. This is a, it's been a heartbreaking situation for me. So crazy. Um, Crazy. Ime Udoka, great coach. He had a great first season with the Celtics as a head coach. His first year as a head coach. He's been an assistant coach before. And the guy also played professionally. So you hear the situation, again, of this this man being pulled out on the rug uh, for having uh, this extramarital affair um, against his his woman, Mia, Mia Long. So you have this situation, and you also have uh, apparently a staff member of the Celtics. And Again, having worked in professional sports as long as I have, I'm just going to say it. He is not the first staff member <laughs> to do Really? Are you member. sure about that? <laughs> read, read the headlines. And I, I honestly, like, I, my frustration lied here. No, it's not right. And no, it's not okay. Sure. And I'm certainly not condoning it. But it's like to pull that guy out on the rug and use him as an example Either somebody inside the Celtics organization was extremely upset, again, staff mm-hmm. member, but it was consensual, or or are they making an example of this guy, saying, oh, let's use your conduct, uh, your code of conduct contract on this. But let's be fair. Again, if you've ever traveled and worked with a professional sports team, you already know <laughs> this happens all the time. Which all the is time. sad. It's, it's so sad that it, it is, is a norm. I feel like you hear things. I hear things like it just, it's unfortunately part of the industry for some reason, some way it's acceptable in society now, which is beyond me. Um, Cause like you said, I, I don't agree with what has happened. No, No. but you're like, do we take it that far as, it has been, um, right. 
So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's definitely going to affect, I mean, you go off of a great season last year and now this happens right now. Wow. So it was, and again, being a Celtics fan, it's upsetting to me to yeah. see, to see the head coach that pulled off a great first season as a head coach being pulled out on the rug for the activity that we all know very well. So many coaches and, and every professional sports industry has has been a part of, and I don't care who you are. I might get hated for this. I might get hated for this. But again, you're talking to somebody who has traveled, who has seen a lot of things. And I'm telling you right now, Ime Udoka was not the first. And and I guarantee not the first on the Celtics organization. Right. Not the first, but so. you're like, dude, you have everything. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, why waste that on something so silly and so stupid? Um, they, they do. They have everything. But then, you know, according to the media reports, this this situation was consensual with a staff member, and mm-hmm. it went on for a long time. This was not this was not a man yeah. who was who was sexually harassing women and saying foul things. Uh, at, you know, at the office. This was a gentleman who was having uh, what. What appears again? We don't have facts. We don't have facts. This is hearsay. But this is all true, right here, right now. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we have the facts, but but this is what appears to have been uh, a full blown love affair, like a love affair. So, regardless, regardless, staff member or not, these coaches sign a code of conduct, mm-hmm. uh, contract saying we will behave in a manner that only reflects the team in such and such way and the organization. We only want to show the best side of that team and. Obviously, behaving in that manner does not show the best side of that team. But, again, we're talking about an organization that this is not the first. And the fact that they pulled Ime Udoka out on the rug for this, something deeper was going on there. We have yet to see what that is. We'll have to wait for the reports. There'll be so many more, I guarantee it. Like, when this actually comes out into a full fold, we're going to see what really took place behind doors. But in the meantime, meantime, being the Celtics fan that I am and – Al Horford. <laughs> we shall see what rolls out for everybody. Uh, again, I mean, we're starting. This is the week regular season. So, what do you have. think? What do you think should have been done? Being a Celtics fan, I'm curious your your thoughts on that. I think this should have been kept under like a quiet rug, if you will. I think they should have handled it a little bit more quietly, considering it involved an actual uh, staff member of the Celtics. I think it should have been quiet. Uh, if they if they wanted to fine him, suspend him for a year, I guess just keep it quiet. Like they pulled this guy out on the rug, and actually the the reason why was leaked. And I just feel like if you want this person to keep it classy, as an organization, you should also keep it classy. You should not have leaked what the actual information was. And and but again, I'm certain they're keeping. Yeah. Do you think they did? I mean, you know how it is. Everything gets leaked. So Eventually, I think, right? I What's, think part of it too is, hey, somebody's going to leak it. We need to take responsibility, and we need to put this right. out there before so they find out that we knew before it came out. Like yeah. we need to, we need to let everybody know that we knew. And, yeah. and I, the old saying is true: what what happens in the dark eventually comes to light. Like that is a true saying, and I get it. But it's like again, we're talking about professional sports. We're talking about people that are traveling on the road for months and weeks at a time together without their spouses, their loved ones, whoever. And and as someone who traveled with the team, I can tell you it is so easy. Like you just said, you're you're being out, you're being out cheerleader friends. 
it is so easy once the season becomes so long and once you spend so much time together to become that family. In fact, I remember traveling with the soccer team and it was just that for me. Like we traveled for, you know, four and a half weeks for uh, preseason. And, you know, our season was mid-January through the first week of November. So we're talking most of the year with these people and not your family. So it's easy to spend that kind of time on the road, that kind of time at the games, um, practices day in, day out. You see these people more than you see your family. And I think Greg Garza even touched upon this in, uh, in episode three. These are the people that you're spending more time with in your family. And I think it's natural to grow certain relationships with those people because whether it's a deep friendship, whether you feel like they're closer to you than maybe even your own family, because again, you are on the road with these people nonstop. Mm-hmm. They know your life better than your family. In fact, I remember coming home for like a week and a half and we weren't traveling. And I can just remember missing, missing everything that was the team. Like this, you almost like there's a hole in your heart because you're yeah. not doing that for a week and a half. Like this has become your life for so long. So I, I can almost empathize with how those situations make it started because of the travel time, because of the long season. Let's face it, NBA is a long season. There's a lot yeah. of games involved with that. There's so many games. So I can I can empathize with how those situations begin, you know. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's okay. Please. I'm going to disagree with you. No, no, no. I agree that you're with these people. You create relationships. Boom. But I think when you, you have to respect yourself and your, the relationships that you're in and be true to yourself. So for me in that situation, lines don't get crossed because you, you know that you're their family. So you have to kind of separate that and you have to be able to step away when you need to step away. Now I get what you're saying. Like that's maybe a normal, normal, which I hate to say thing in, in the industry. And I think unfortunately you and I have many conversations that the world today that we live in is very different. Um, And, and relationships, marriage, things like that are not as they used to be, I feel like. Um, So I think it's very important that people know those boundaries. And when you have to walk away, you walk away. Um, But I get it. I get that relationships happen. You spend time with people, you know, whatever the case may be. But that whole situation makes me mad. I hate that it's a norm that we call it, Uh, but it throws off the whole season. That's for sure. It does. And, and unfortunately we're going to hope that it doesn't take away from the Celtics again, huge Celtics fan. Uh, I I have been most of my life. So we're going to hope that this doesn't take away from their season or or any other coaches, because again, I'm sure that when Ime Yudoka got pulled out on the carpet for this, I'm sure that there were coaches I don't care if you were MLS and I don't care if you were NBA or NFL or NHL. I'm sure that there were coaches worldwide going, wait a minute. Could this have been me? (laughs) Could this have been me? I need to (laughs) reevaluate. Am I going to get pulled out on the carpet? Could this have been my name in the media? So let that be a lesson to all. If, if, if someone wants to make an example out of you or whatever reason, it it could have been you. It could have been Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's the point. So time will tell. Yeah. We'll see what happens. 
Which, which actually, uh, ironically, brings me to my next point. So I, I was actually audio messaging you this last night. I was actually reaching out to so many of my guys, and I, I felt frustrated just for a little bit. I've actually calmed down a little bit today, but last night I was a little bit mad because I, I have so many colleagues, um, obviously across the United States. Uh, I consider myself. Um, very, very blessed to be well connected with so many professionals and so many different types of sports. Because you're amazing. Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I consider myself so blessed to know so many, whether it's NBA, whether it's football, whether it's anything, soccer. So when I felt this frustration rise, I reached out to you. I reached out to several of uh, the male athletes that I work with. And I'm just like, listen, it's frustrating to know that I have male colleagues in the industry <clears throat> and they may not do the exact same job that I do, but I'm just going to say this as, as a female and, and one of the leaders in the industry, and you can work with so many athletes, you can be contracted by so many teams. But what frustrates me is that no, again, mostly male, male athletes is mostly what I work with. And those male athletes don't really call you out too often. Like, Hey, she's the goat. She's this, she's that. They just, they refer everybody to you, which is, which is good mm -hmm. enough, which is good enough in my opinion. If you can refer all these people to me uh, and even out of town teams because you went to college with them, that's great. That's a huge compliment. But here's where yeah. my frustration rolls in. A colleague of mine recently started a podcast, episode one, and I'm reading the comments and I see all of these guys just like, oh, congrats. Like you're the goat. You're this year, that you're amazing. And I'm just like, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I've done more than him <laughs> and, and not that you should ever have to say, Hey, bam, bam. I've done so much more. Again, the old quote goes, if you have to tell everybody you're the king, you're not the king. So you never want to be that person who's like, bam, bam, bam. I've done all this, but it was just frustrating to realize that as a female, uh, male athletes rarely call you out. They don't want to share you. They don't want to say, Hey, uh, with this person getting uh, physio work or right, mobilization. As a female, they don't say that. But if you're a male doing that job, they shout you out all day long with the goat, with this, with that, getting that, yeah. thing, getting this, thing, getting that, then because it's a guy, it's, it's a safer bet. It's a safer bet to put that person on social media and call him out and say, he's the best, he's this, I'm so glad he's here. And as a female, you don't get that. But I will say, yeah. thanks to the conversations I had with my, my male athletes today and last night, Somebody actually did pull out uh, an amazing trainer. She's in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm going to get to know her better. But um, she's like me. She's short. She's this crazy, badass trainer. She's so well-respected in the NFL and MLB world. And, in fact, she's this woman like me, and then she's got the staff of all male coaches. Oh, that's and cool. Mm -hmm. she's on top of her game and athletes are like shouting her out nonstop. I'm like, there, there's proof that it happens. I want to be like her. <laughs> she has goals and it may not happen overnight. I get it. It's, I've had to have so many other professionals that work with my male athletes say, Hey, I was invited to this party. I got flown out for this and I got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't happen for me. Yeah. I'm a female. No. I'm a female. I get it. To invite a female to this. Yeah, I think there's a couple things with that. I think to your point right there, when there are other people involved, it's hard to see a beautiful woman that is good at what she does and is, you know, helping 
in some way because of, again, what I mentioned earlier, just <laughs> the world that we live in now and the, the stories you hear and um, just lines being crossed and things like that. And it's really hard when you are amazing at what you do and you can't be taken as seriously because of those factors that are kind of blocking you, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate that that has to be some sort of issue. And I feel like that's probably the way for women too, working in, you know, a male industry and you come home and your boyfriend, fiance, husband, whatever, you, you kind of have to walk on eggshells sometimes, some relationships, because again, of the world that we live in. Um, right. So I think that plays into it. And I also think it's like a bro world, a boy's world where it's like, oh, you can go here, you can go there. And it's really unfortunate with things that come out um, where guys are afraid. And I've had, um, being in the finance world, wealth management, very male dominated. Right, um, yes. And there are um, groups that, um, when I first joined, they were it was all male team. And they wanted it that way because they could joke around, they could make inappropriate jokes and it'd be completely fine because I'm talking to my bro. He doesn't care. We can swear. We can talk about silly stuff. It doesn't matter. But then you hear about all these, you know, lawsuits and things coming out where they're afraid to get in trouble because, oh, there's a woman there and she's right. going to get offended. And it's, it's really present. hard because sure. we want to be included. We want to be part of it. And I think there now are boundaries that prevent that from happening. So I, I feel like, I, again, as, as a professional and as a business owner, you think it's a rite of passage. Like once you pass a certain, uh, a certain goal that you had or whatever it was, you feel like you want to be invited into the guys club eventually because you're like, well, I worked here. I did this. I, I, I did. I checked all the boxes. Why am I still not in the guys club? But again, I, I have hope because today I found out that there is in fact one woman who, who actually has uh, passed, passed the mark. She's in the guys club and uh, I really want to reach out to her. Hopefully maybe down the road, she'll be a guest. We'll see, but she's passed, uh, she's passed it all. In fact, my favorite motivational speaker even follows her. So I'm just like, she's got to know her stuff because all the people that I respect the most are following her. So I got to see mm -hmm. I got to see how she checked those boxes and got moved into that world because ultimately that's the yeah. There is a way. There yeah. is a way. It's just yeah. figuring it out. Figuring it out. Right. What's, what's the, what are the boxes we got to check? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, you run into those situations and you know, you can't, you can't force things. You can't like push things no. further. It, it, you just got to be true to yourself. You got to do what's best for you and keep working hard. And maybe we end up working harder than the person next to us, but Hey, we want to get there. We have that drive. That's and, right. And that's what you do. That's um, right. Yeah. It's crazy, Perfect. but it's, it's, it kind of shapes you into who you are, all the struggles, all the things that you have to deal with. Um, 
whether it's those barriers or whatever comes your way that you don't necessarily expect to happen, it it definitely shapes you into who you are, which is the main, the main thing. It is. It's it's the boomerang effect. I feel like once you come up against all that adversity, you just boomerang, bring back something stronger on your way back through and you're good to go. You you could sit here and you could say, I'm not going to get there because of X, Y, Z. And you could just beat yourself down over and over again. Or you can say, that's fine. That's something that I want to still achieve. And that's not in my way. I'm going to keep chugging along. And it's just kind of which, how much you want it, where you're at. And, and that, that drive that you have and, and that mentality that you have, which you need, you you need to be strong to get to where you want to be. So for sure. Um, so rolling into the next point, because I had so many points you and I talked about that we wanted to hit upon. Again, we're making this Sunday's episode. I'm so excited. Let me get your thoughts on the Giselle and Tom uh, possible divorce, <laughs> divorce proceedings. Uh, like, we all have feelings about that too. Like, right? This is kind of a big thing. When you see the goat himself, a 45-year-old man with an amazing wife uh, coming like, back bro, out of retirement, now he said this is happening. Like, what's going on? What's Honestly, going on? What are we doing? This is so crazy. And it like, I, my mind is just spinning a little bit. I'm like trying not to get too deep into it, but I'm like definitely thinking about it. And so, so my thought at first when it came out was there's two situations. One, did he come out of retirement because he loves the game and misses it. We see that with so many athletes so many. that you don't want to give it up. You just no. don't. <laughs> well, all even you know. myself, <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> I see this, but I can't I mean, even back. Right. Yeah. I leave. I left for, for one season, came back. I, I've done that twice. So I totally understand. Um, so it's like, is that what happened? Or my other thought was, did he go back? And then Giselle was like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm having, you know, I'm not dealing with you going back. Or did Giselle, did that all spark and things were going wrong? So he's like, I need that escape for me because it's not good at home to where I'm, I'm going to keep playing. And then boom. You know, I kind of go back. I think I know which one I'm leaning more towards, but I'm like, what? I mean, I could see it both ways. I don't know. I see him being, and again, these are all opinion-based. We have zero facts. (laughs) (laughs) But, but this is, I mean, you look at the Michael Jordan effect. You look at a man who has won so many championships and the same thing with Tom Brady. This man has won so many, so many rings, so many championships. So you think to yourself, was right. he angry? Was he angry that his last quote unquote season was a losing season? And maybe mm. he was like Michael Jordan. He wanted to end his last year uh, as a winner, like a championship. Was he upset that that didn't happen last year? That wasn't it for them. Was he thinking like, ah, I can't retire like this again. Michael mm. Jordan got to retire a winner. Was this the Michael Jordan effect where you think to yourself, I wanted to retire a winner. 
we had a losing season. I'm going to take one more season and see if I can do this and and retire a winner, which it's it's not pretty good so far. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. But it's like, did he have that again? That uh, that mentality, like I can't retire this way. We had a losing. I season. get that. I get. That. I had all this going. I can't do it. Like I, I have a, a thing I have to hold up to. And, and then his wife eventually was like, listen, you promised retirement. You promised uh, all these things. We've waited for you. We've been a part of your life. We've given you all these things. And now you're going back. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. We were here to cheer you on. We were here for your career. We were here for all of it. And now you're going back. So mm-hmm. you have to wonder if, if any of that played a part where she was like, I am so done with this life. Like, mm-hmm. and Giselle, she's worth, she's worth a lot herself. Like let's oh, not kid yeah. ourselves. We know who Giselle is. She's phenomenally gorgeous. She's had an amazing career herself. She's got her own net worth. Like where, mm-hmm. where does that line get drawn? You know what I mean? Well, and you wonder like at that point too, they are so amazing on their own as far as, like you said, their net worth, their careers, all of that stuff. There's gotta be more than just that. Like there's gotta be more behind the scenes, obviously that we don't know about because I mean, that could be the, the the cherry on top, but there's gotta be more. Um, but I do get what you're saying by, by, you know, ending the season on a positive note and, and having that win. I get it. But at the same time, I'm very family oriented and I'm like, bro, you're giving up your family for your career. For what? Right. I think the struggle and I feel like a lot of athletes can probably think about this is what we talked about earlier. you're going on trips and you're here and there and you're with the staff and that becomes your identity, that role. And so I really, yeah. And and for how many years? Like this was, this was his entire adult life, essentially. It was his young adult life and entire adult life. Like this is what he's known. So how do you step away from that is, is the question. And maybe it's, Maybe he did it in a, in a way, obviously that wasn't the best for his family. Maybe he could step away in a different way and still be involved in the sport that he loves so much. That's part of him, but not taking up so much time away from his family. And that's what you wonder, like, what can he do? Well, now he can't. Now he has to finish out right. the season. Well, I mean, he's, he's Tom Brady. He can do whatever he wants. But um, I don't know. It's just, you don't know. We don't know the ins and outs. We don't. But it's like, bro, you're giving up Giselle, your family. What are you doing? <laughs> right? And obviously, you've Easier seen all said than done. I've seen all the memes. Some of them are pretty, pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> you know, I'm the oh mean queen. God. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's great. That's great. Wait, but the, the best part. So that, that Adam Levine stuff came out too. <laughs> the that's best me. part was Tom Brady's stuff came out first, obviously. And then Adam <laughs> Levine came out. And I think the best meme that I saw was like Tom Brady thanking Adam Levine for taking the hot seat. <laughs> 
Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> there were oh. so many great Adam Levine memes out there this morning. Because, <laughs> you know, he was, like, DMing some chicks, several chicks on Instagram. He was like, that body, though. So they would have, like, Adam Levine's face, like, DMing a cow, like, that body, though. Shut <laughs> like, up. No DMing, way. DMing a chicken on the fucking ranch, like... <laughs> That body, though, <laughs> it was like this guy is like famous for like DMs for like the next three months. He is DM gold, like literally. He he gave Tom Brady such an easy out on the situation. <laughs> it was like Tom Brady, who we're talking about Adam Levine because these literally are fire. these mm-hmm. things are fire. My last bit of news for today, since we're at, we're all in the fresh stuff today. Blink 182. Oh, I know. So fun. I know. Like Tom DeLong back with Blink 182. Guys, Generation X here. So, you know, I was already like loading up, getting excited, like firing that out to all my Gen X friends. Like, we are so going. (laughs) I we're going to Blink 182 concert with the original members, Tom DeLong included. So I think, I think, despite of what's going on with Tom and what's going on with Draymond Green, you don't get to steal the spotlight from Blink 182. Just saying. (laughs) Okay, what's your favorite Blink 182 song? Do you know? I don't know. Um, I'm literally like, um, which one's my fave? What's my age again? Because that was just such a... uh, a, That's a classic. Classic. classic classic what's my age again and then i think adam's song because that one is so depressing it's teenage depression it's about a kid who oh we're totally taking this down a notch but adam's yeah, song is about stop that <laughs> no, it's, it's about a kid that wanted to uh to take his own life and he's basically saying mom don't blame yourself when, mm. you, go, when you go into my room yeah. don't feel sad like when i listen to adam's song like i almost can't stand to listen to it but it was like such a 90s um alternative rock thing like that's that was the thing and it's like man this is blink 182 i know and i'm, I'm not, looking i'm looking yeah. at the songs now all the small <laughs> things is another one but my age again i think is like a classic that's a classic that's the ultimate and and they're not coming to cincinnati so now i have to decide like do i want to see them in tampa do yeah let's see make them in nashville time. right nashville tampa where should we go see blink 182 mm-hmm. this is huge huge Forget Tom Brady. Blink-182 just took the news. I don't need to go to Tampa for Tom Brady. We can. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to go for Blink-182. Adam Levine, you can take a seat. Blink-182 just upstaged you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I love that. No, Blink it'll be cool. Wins the week. Here's my here's my hair again. We're back. I think, who okay. else came? Um, didn't Backstreet Boys come here, too? To Cincinnati, they? weren't they? I'm pretty sure. But I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> did I miss another 90s uh, backbeat situation? I think they <laughs> did, and I swear to God, I have practice. I swear every time something, okay, I'm, I, okay, people probably that are listening do not like this person, not like, but like, okay, so I, when I grew up, I liked Dream Street, which is like, whatever. Some people I do. remember. No. Okay, okay. Had the biggest crush on some of the guys in Dream Street. They were like my high school crushes or whatever. Nice. Um, one of them was Justin McCartney, and he came and I was like, "Oh my god, I need to go see him." Um, and it was a 
practice night, so I could not miss. <laughs> oh, no. It's not my favorite, but I had a little crush on him when I was younger. All right. Quick, uh, quick fangirl story for me. So again, I'm a little bit older, a little bit more of a different generation, but I, I still like that music though. Just saying. Yeah. Yes. It's good music. So I grew up liking hair metal bands because again, that's my generation. Um, so hair metal was all the rage, uh, in junior high and high school for me, primarily junior high, but, um, huge, huge Def Leppard fan, right? Yeah. Crushed on the lead singer I had <laughs> growing up. Right. I, I cannot, again, we're going to need people to comment on this because. <laughs> Let us know who you guys like. Yeah. We need to hear about this. You're, Are we in about the to, right area or not? <laughs> right. You're about to love this next story. So I had an actual waterbed. <laughs> hey, so pick, no, picture don't it. laugh. <laughs> I know those. I've. Trust me. Picture, picture it. We're talking about the '90s. I have a water bed in my room. I've seen one of them. In. Oh my god, that was such a thing. It was such a thing. I had a heated water bed, and I had hair metal posters. I'm talking Guns N' Roses. I'm talking Def Leppard. I'm talking so many hair metal bands. That was my thing. Skid Row, you name it. Like that's what I did. But I had the biggest crush on the lead singer of Def Leppard, Joe Elliott. So I want to fast forward all these years. I'm going after my broadcasting degree and our teacher gives us this assignment. He says, listen, dream big. I want you guys to go out and get a really great interview. And, you know, and they're talking about local people. And I'm like thinking way above local, like, I want to interview Def Leppard. <laughs> so being the dreamer, you know me now. I don't stop with the answer no. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way to make this happen because I will always find a way to make whatever I want happen. So I'm like, okay, I look up quickly. They are touring. They are touring with Brian Adams. They are doing minor league ball fields. They're gonna be playing at the Dayton Dragons ball field with Brian That's Adams. Up. And this concert is already sold out. So I'm like, all right, I gotta I gotta find a way. I'm gonna reach out to who's ever promoting this tour, right? So I reach out to a gentleman named Don Sullivan, <laughs> Jam Productions in Chicago, which, by the way, Don, if you're watching this, <laughs> because you and I still talk, thank you. Best day ever. I reach out to Don Sullivan, who has no idea who I am. I'm living in Hicktown, USA. I'm a broadcasting student. I'm like, hey, I leave a voicemail. My name's Misty. Uh, I want to interview Def Leppard and or Brian Adams. I have this radio project coming up. Talk to me, whatever. I leave my number. I'm thinking, <laughs> I will never hear from this guy again. This guy is over uh, Green Day's tour, which is sold out. He's just yeah, Mr. Everything. This You're guy, like, I'm a nobody, so I'm not. Nobody. <laughs> but Don, why not try, right? Right. Don Sullivan was a talent buyer for Jam Productions back in the day. He was receiving multiple awards for it. So here I am like, I'm going to call Don Sullivan. Who doesn't give a shit who I am, but I'm going to call him. So I call him, leave this voicemail, and I kid you not, he called me back the next day. That's awesome. I get a call from Don Sullivan. He's like, you know what? Listen, I hear you. Uh, I'm there with you. I'm going to say Brian Adams. Uh, they're, they're, the Brian Adams camp will probably say no, but I'm going to lean on the, the Def Leppard camp will probably tell you yes. So do me a favor. Uh, between now and the next few weeks before they get here, send me a line of questions that you would actually like to ask them, and uh, I'll, I'll get it approved by the uh, Def Leppard camp. I'm like, what? What? Yes, let's go. So I come up with my line of questioning. I work with my teacher on it. We send it out. Uh, Don's like, yeah, this looks simple enough. I'll send it out. 
hadn't heard a thing. It's three days before they arrive in Dayton. You're like, this is not going to go down. I'm sweating bullets. Like, <laughs> is my dream come true going to happen? Am I going to actually interview oh my gosh. the artist of my dream? So I get an email back from Don. Hey, Missy, we're good to go. Listen, meet me at gate B. I've got a, a VIP uh, pass for you. We're going to walk you through the facilities. In fact, you're going to hang with us for the night. Here's what we're going to do. I'm like, oh. That's when you learn the power of ask. Anybody listening to the power of ask, just ask. The answer is no until you ask, right? So uh, I meet up with Don Sullivan, the group from Jam Productions out of Chicago. They walk me back. I am back here with the tour buses. I see Brian Adams, like, just chilling outside a bus. I'm like, that's Brian. So they <laughs> walk me all around. Uh, they walk me inside the facility before Def Leppard takes the stage. Um, Joe Elliott, the lead singer and the drummer, Rick Allen comes out and they're like, hi, this is Misty. You know, she's just supposed to ask me a few questions. And I'm just like, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be starstruck, quickly fire out my questions, trip over my words. Um, of course. The guys answer him, and, and Don keeps elbowing me like, come on, stand up straight. Like, don't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> don't make it weird. So I'm like, um, and then I think like, ah, la, 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 I'm just going on and on and on. So at the end, I look at Don and I said, and we're talking at a day and age where cell, cell phone cameras weren't a big mm -hmm, thing. Right. But, but what I did have is a regular camera. And I looked at Don because he a camera. Me, you had a, a normal like camera, a, like a, a ching ching camera, right? So I I talked to Don and I'm like, is there any way I can get a picture with the guys? Because you told me no camera. He was like, let me ask. No pictures are supposed to be taken, but I'll ask. So he kind of rolls back to the guys. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we get a photo. So I get a picture that day with Joe Elliott and Rick Allen, the drummer of Def Leppard, and I am like the happiest. Oh yeah, absolutely. Biggest, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm meeting, We're going to have like, to see a picture of this, by the way. I got it. I've the got young it. Young Misty. <laughs> young Misty. Oh, my God. That's so cool, though. Yeah. I was such a chubby oh. face girl. But I I am, like, with Def Leppard, and I'm getting my photo taken. It was my first musical interview, and I got to be part of it. Uh, so, so then after cool. that, like, I'm just having the best day ever. Like, this has just happened. Let me just tell you, the best day ever has happened over and over again since I've yeah. learned the power of ass. But... Uh, I leave the interview. Don's like, come back to the tour bus with us. We're going to show you how we run numbers for all these shows. We're going to show you what Green Day is doing. We want to show you a little bit of what uh, a talent buyer's world looks like. So they walk me back to these buses. They give me a Heineken. Uh, I'm chilling with all these music professionals. They're like showing me numbers for the concerts on the road. And I can hear Def Leppard play in the background. And for once, I don't even care that I'm missing the show. Like, I am so enthralled with what's going on behind You got the best part of the show, girl. <laughs> I got to meet the guys and now I'm hanging out with the people that actually produce all these shows and so many more. So I'm just like the best night ever. So in oh, case so anybody doesn't know future, future podcast down the road, I actually spent a lot of years in the music business. Uh, and that night was actually the start to that. So we'll enter that another time. Cause that's, that's not so awesome, but they were playing minor league ball field. So there's the sports part. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, it comes down to, like you said, just asking, um, what's the worst that can happen? Right. They say no. Like, right. Why if they, not? If they say no, what are you out? Nothing. Nothing. So I, I utilize the power of asking everything now. Like there, mm -hmm. you can't hurt my feelings. I'm going to ask you anyway. Well, I think people, no. yeah, people get, they, they don't want to offend. They don't want to, you know, do this or that. And it's like, 
at the end of the day, what's the worst thing if they don't want to do it or if they, if right. ever like, they're just going to say no. Right. Step on their toes. What do, what do you got? Talk to me about one of your stories where you learned the power of the ask. Oh my gosh. That's a great <laughs> question. I know you've got one. You've had an amazing life too so far. I know you've got one. Oh gosh. <laughs> You're like, I wasn't prepared for this. I was not <laughs> prepared for this at all. I'm trying to think. I mean, there definitely has been times where I have just asked for things or just haven't been afraid to talk to people or yeah. or whatnot. Oh, man, no, I know I've got to have a good story. Not in your uh, like well, we'll come back to that. I need to think about that. There's gotta be, there's definitely some stories mm-hmm. there. We're gonna give you some time to think about what that major ask was for you that turned your life around. Because for me, that that concert and that tour promotion and, and getting involved with the music uh, side of things was definitely my my turnaround. That's what led me oh, to yeah. so many uh, chasing a lot of rabbit holes down life and like winning. So you think about what yours was because I know you have one or so many more. <laughs> you've accomplished so much. So I know you've got many. Yeah. I think like, like we talk about, it's just, um, being confident, doing what you feel in the moment that's best for you and taking chances. Um, I think for me, like, just taking a chance and moving to a different city was a huge thing for me. Like I, I, um, just never really thought I'd be in Cincinnati, honestly. And it kind of fell in my lap. Um, do you know how many interviewing that? (laughs) I just like the Midwest, but I'm from New York. So it's like, who from New York is going to move to the Midwest? Um, Not on purpose. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it just kind of fell in my lap. I got an internship in Cincinnati and then moved here and then was making new friends and joined cheerleading. And you know what? The crazy thing with that is I'm probably one of the only girls on the team that doesn't have a serious dance background Mm -hmm. at all. No, you told me that. Like, they all came from, like, this background, and you were like, no, I just just kind of do it. I like music. I love music. I love sports. I love – I cheered. I will say I cheered for two seasons in high school, basketball season. But after that, sports. Like, I was straight sports. Yeah. Where most majority of the girls on cheerleading teams in general, but definitely our team, um, they either cheered in high school or college or danced in college or have some big dance background. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, your, your homework assignment, Rachel, is to come up and think about uh, that big ask for you eventually in life. Thank you guys so much for being a part of another podcast. We are so happy to be here with you guys. Like, listen, we've noticed that our subscriptions have increased on YouTube and other platforms. If you guys could do us a huge favor, if you could like uh, any of our videos or the particular podcast, even comments, that really helps us out a great deal. Again, we are on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, um, Sports and Ish, Miss Evie and Rachel Lee. So just find us. Give us your thoughts. We're here for you. If there's a special guest you're looking forward to, let us know. We'll try and reach out to them. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you.